hello. Welcome back to the Balance Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, Jordan Younger, and I'm so happy that you're here. If you tuned into last week's episode, then you know we went deep on part one of my most recent plant medicine journey with ayahuasca. And that was the fourth or fifth ayahuasca specific episode on this podcast. So if you're listening and you're thinking, I have no idea what that means. Maybe I've heard that word before, but I don't know what it is. What is she talking about? And I would recommend going back and listening to those previous ayahuasca episodes to learn more and dive into what it is, where it comes from, how to find it, how to do it safely, the fact that it's not for everyone, the fact that I'm not telling anybody that that's what they should do, but also to hear my journey about how healing ayahuasca and plant medicine has been for me. So I got to listen back to that part one episode multiple times to just dive into the details of it and relive it through my own experience, which was interesting and fun for me because every time I talk about it, every time I think about it, new things come up. So I'm sure you heard me say, if you listen to that episode, that it was like I was gone for multiple centuries. And I've done this nine times now. So nine times of being gone for many centuries, I've been to the dark, I've been to the light, I've been to heaven, I've been to hell, I've fought off demons, I have played in angelic realms with angels and ancestors and archangels, I've gone into specific memories from my own lifetime, I've gone back to my childhood, all sorts of things. It's really, really, really a beautiful, thought-provoking magical medicine and it's a consciousness. So now the consciousness of ayahuasca lives within me. Many, many, many of you can see it now. You can see her. I call ayahuasca her because she's the feminine. She's grandmother. She's mother, plant mother. So she lives within me now. My face has totally changed and I've just been going there on Instagram. (laughs) I've been sharing pictures of how my face has changed. I've been talking about why I feel my face has changed and I've gotten so much confirmation from hundreds of you, if not thousands of you saying, oh my God, I agree. I was thinking the same thing. I see the ancient medicine woman in your face. I see the alien in your face. I see something that has awakened deeper within you and I see how you've changed. And then similarly, or on the flip side, actually, I've gotten a lot of messages too from people saying, what are you talking about? Um, What journey are you going on? I don't think your face has changed and maybe it's just because your hair is longer. I got a message like that. That one made me giggle, but it also just reminded me and showed me that we're all on really different parts of this journey. And so many people who listen have said, well, I'm not a spiritual person, but even I can tell your face has shape-shifted. And that's cool because as I talk about all the time, I have so many countless people in my life who are not quote-unquote spiritual or awakened or psychic or even intuitive, but they can see that shift. And it's just this overall ease back into my body and back into who I am. And you know what's really interesting? And I promise I'm going to get into talking about the ceremony a little bit more and just some of the deeper insights and awakenings that I've had. And then I'm also going to tell you 
um, answer a bunch of your questions from the Q&A, and then I'm going to tell you what to expect for the rest of 2020 in just a couple more weeks here on the podcast. But first, I just wanted to say, so I think you guys know, if you follow me closely, I've been spending so much time with my soul family here on this earth, and 2020 has really gifted me some of the most special people in my life. I talked about this a a little bit on the last episode. The closest friends in my life, we've only gotten closer. Relationships that were not really serving me or the other person have kind of drifted off and my energy is not being expended in those areas as much, which feels really good, which is wildly different for a person like me who just kind of tries to hold space for absolutely everyone, which ends up being to my own detriment a lot of the time. And then I've I've literally met new people this year who have become my soul family, who have become actually sisters and kindred spirits and people who I just spend endless amounts of time with. So I have gotten the chance for the last eight weeks, especially to just spend exorbitant amount of times with people who light me up in the deepest way. And I know that the medicine ayahuasca was working through me when those people entered my life and when all of that endless beautiful time together got to occur. And from that, I have learned so much. First of all, I've learned the true meaning of friendship and the fact that we are not supposed to drive ourselves into the ground with energy, lack of energy by expending it on other people who don't make us feel good. That is not a normal friendship. I can't believe I'm 30 years old and I'm fully awakening to this now. And secondly, I've just been shown by these amazing people in my life what a real friendship truly is and what it looks like, what it feels like, and that quality over quantity is so true. I've felt that for so long now, but I've always been a person who defines herself by having a lot of friends, by being everyone's friend, on and on. That's a positive thing. I like that about myself. But what I don't like is um, just kind of standing for being mistreated and by watching my own energy evaporate from my body because of holding space for people who don't make me necessarily feel great or make me feel seen. And that doesn't mean that they never will. And that doesn't mean that they're bad people. It just means that at different stages of your life, you're just going to up level and it's just naturally going to happen. I've been seeing all these quotes about when you evolve, people in your life will shift and that's a good thing. And I got on this topic because last night I was looking through my very, very old photos on Instagram. I mean, I scrolled all the way back to 2013. And for some reason, I was clicking through the comments and noticing that everybody who was commenting on my photos back then does not follow me anymore. And yes, this is a true act of self-torture in a way, because why, why am I spending my time looking at this and then making myself feel um, a certain kind of way about it. But then I also realized, wow, this also is a testament to my evolvement, to my growth and to how much I've changed. And then I really learned to reframe it and look at it in such a beautiful way. Like those people were following me for food, for recipes, for veganism, for post-college life. I was 22 years old 
And now, yes, I have changed so much. I'm a radically different person. And that feels really good. I'm proud of myself. This is a big deal for me. (laughs) I have wasted so many hours of my life, although I do believe nothing is a waste. Nothing is ever a waste because it's all part of the the journey, the unfolding, the magic, the learning that we soak in. But I've spent a lot of time, a lot of minutes, and a lot of hours of my life just people-pleasing and being absolutely positively upset because I feel like something's off with this person or someone who used to follow me doesn't like me anymore. So throwing that all out the window, I don't know why I felt like I wanted to introduce the episode talking about that, but I do know why. It's because I know that 2020 has been such an up level for so many of us, for all of us who are on this spiritual wavelength, on this awakening journey. There's no doubt, no chance that it hasn't been. So I know a lot of people are feeling this way. Every person who's who's really on my wavelength, who I talk to and spend time with, is having these same feelings. And it's not about dropping people out of your life. It's just about recognizing who do you align with? What makes you feel good? And if it's not making you be in your highest radiance, then maybe it's not for you. And that's also a gift for the other person. So energetic gifts all around. I feel really good. I'm so excited to be doing this solo episode and talking more about ayahuasca. I want to tell you guys what one of my biggest awakenings was with ayahuasca. I was surprised when I listened back to the last episode and that I hadn't mentioned it, but there's just so much to say. So yay for this episode. Uh, We will definitely have to do a part three because I need and want Jonathan to tell you all about his experience when he's ready. Since he's not a career podcaster, it just takes time to integrate these things. But I felt like sharing it and trying to transmute it. So here we are. So before we dive into the episode and before I get to all your beautiful questions, I would love to thank our sponsor for today's show, Four Sigmatic. I was just reminiscing with the person who connected me originally with working with Four Sigmatic because they have been my longest sponsor on the podcast since 2016. And I'm so honored. I'm obsessed with Four Sigmatic. You can go to foursigmatic.com slash blonde to shop all my favorites. And they have also just expanded in so many areas. So first of all, you should know you can use the code blonde to get 10% off of all Four Sigmatic products, um, their mushroom coffee, to their skincare, to their matcha, to their cacao, to their matcha and chaga. I think everybody listening knows chaga is my favorite. And if you're listening and you're thinking, what the heck is an adaptogenic mushroom? So an adaptogen, it functions with the body in the way that it brings the body back to homeostasis. So if your hormones need balancing or if you are not sleeping well, or if you have trouble feeling alert in the morning with or without caffeine, adaptogens are going to go into your body and give you what you need. It's a plant medicine. So as you know, Plant medicine, all things herbal, is pretty much where my entire heart and soul lies. So I love to drink mushroom coffee for obvious reasons. I love the mushroom coffee mix with lion's mane. I make it in my French press in the morning. I add some almond milk. I add cinnamon, 
stevia. Sometimes I'll add a little bit of coconut butter if I make it hot to make it kind of like my own little breakfast type of situation. And sometimes I also add the powders into smoothies. You can also add them into oatmeal, all those things. And then you can find me every single night at the end of the night sipping on my mushroom hot cacao with reishi. You can also listen to the founder Tarot on an earlier, much earlier episode of the Balanced Lawn Podcast. He's amazing. He's so in his integrity. And you can also shop on Four Sigmatic by whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for immune support, gut support, daily nutrition, if you're looking to just really feel alert in the morning, which is what a lot of us look to coffee for, then check them out for that. Use that code BLONDE and I know that you will fall in love. Enjoy. Tag me on Instagram if you try them. Now let's just talk about ayahuasca. I want to thank you guys for responding so well to the first ayahuasca episode. I know this conversation about plant medicine is, um, well, it's an interesting one. It is taboo in the sense that ayahuasca is not fully legal in California, but they are working on it and there are ways to experience the medicine legally. It's taboo also in the sense that people talk about psychedelics and hallucinogens as drugs, as these mind-altering substances when I talk about them as medicine because I I view them as medicine. And I was um, in this Beverly Hills plastic surgeon's office just a few days ago inquiring about a surgery that I'm actually not going to get. But we were talking and he was asking me, what has helped you heal the most from Lyme? And this was so cool because he's a plastic surgeon. He's not technically holistic in any way. And I said, well, to be honest with you, ayahuasca. And he was so interested and he wanted to hear everything. And as we got talking, he was like, you're not a good candidate for this for this surgery. You are a spiritual person. You are a natural, alternative, holistic person. It's just not your time to do this. And I appreciated it so much. And I left that, that appointment on a high because I felt like I have changed. And also, when I enter the world, I cannot have a normal conversation anymore. (laughs) And I'm happy about that. That is a good thing. I was on the phone with a brand the other day and they were like, what are you working on in 2021? How can we keep working together? So we talked about that. It's a brand that I love. But I also said, ooh, what am I working on in 2021? Well, I've had all these spiritual awakenings and I'm writing a novel. And it's actually about this, this, and this, and multi-universes and all this stuff. And we were on a brand phone call for a wellness brand in the podcast space. And I just, I, I could zoom out and recognize Oh no, I'm doing that thing. I'm doing that thing where I'm not acting like a normal person. I'm not acting the way that other people act. And instead of judging myself for it, I embrace it because it is who I am. And if anyone wants to work with me, if a brand is working with me, they understand that about me. If you, you beautiful soul tribe human listening to the podcast, if you're here, you're here for this. And I'm just not here to hold it back anymore. I'm not here to sugarcoat anything. I'm not here to really introduce subjects in a really basic kind of way. I'm here to really talk about them deeply as I introduce them in a more basic way with with no judgment at all. Um, Three to four years ago, as I was getting into the journey, now I know, okay, TBB Tribe is ready for this. 
everybody's ready for this. Which brings me to lovely, lovely plant medicine ayahuasca. So let's just all take ourselves in our minds to that beautiful forest atmosphere where I was up in the redwoods with the night sky above me. The stars are neon. The weather is perfect. The trees are speaking to me and teaching me how to breathe. The sky is opening up and inviting me to return to my celestial cosmic nature and everything just feels so good. I'm able to calm myself down because as you guys know, I went into this experience with so much fear and with this fear really of surrendering, even though I know surrender is what's going to bring me all the gifts and all the joy and all the magic of the medicine. So I had just gone into that headspace where I was fearful and I was able to talk myself down by telling myself, you're okay, you're okay. And then I envisioned the faces of some of the beautiful women in my life, like Kenzie Burke and Jenna Zoe and Krista Williams and Catherine Oxenberg and these beautiful women who you all know, they've been on the podcast many times. And I just thought, whoa, I am so supported and even talking about it, oh gosh, talking about it makes me want to cry because to feel so supported by the people in my life in this way feels so good as I've really had so much support for so long, for so many years from my family, from all of my friends who are so wonderful, but they're not necessarily doing this kind of stuff. They're not doing ayahuasca. They're not seeing people shapeshift and they love it for me, but they don't love it for themselves. So I have definitely watched my circles expand and, um, and I know that that's also a gift that ayahuasca medicine grandmother has brought me as she's always working through me now, now that I have experienced her love and her warmth and all of her gifts. And she really especially will work through a person in the weeks leading up to a ceremony. So after I calmed myself down outside and went back into the circle of the ceremony where everybody around me was deep, deep in their experience. This is on the Saturday night part of a three-day ceremony. So this is the deepest part. I went into my subconscious and I said, I want to speak to Miss LeMay. She was my middle school English teacher. She's so special. She read us all these books out loud, like To Kill a Mockingbird, a separate piece of Mice and Men, and I Am the Cheese. And if if you have read A Separate Piece or I Am the Cheese, then we need to talk. You need to message me because not those books, unlike To Kill a Mockingbird and Of Mice and Men, were not as widely taught in schools. A lot of people have never heard of them, especially I Am the Cheese, but also A Separate Piece. And she read them out loud to us. She had a gift for becoming the character. And she romanced us into the subject of literature and English in that way. We were in eighth grade. I was just this, I was such a talented writer. I was such a passionate writer, but I was your typical middle school kid who was trying to look at her Verizon lime green flip phone in class and was talking in class and was texting my middle school boyfriend and was always kind of trying to be the class clown and didn't take school very seriously. But she, oh my gosh, we all regarded her with so much respect. You would never dare cross 
Lauren LeMay, Miss Lauren LeMay, she wasn't going to take it. So she was very special to me for, for many, many years. She awakened in me a true gift of writing where writing went from like fun, passion, young, super into the art of it to she really taught me, you have a gift. And if you don't use this gift, that's a disservice to the world because that is your gift. You think through writing, you are a brilliant writer. And you know, those were her words to me. And you just get the characters. Literature is your thing. It's your thing. It's your magic. We all have a magic lane and potion in this life. And that was mine, is mine. And so from there, she ended up writing me recommendations when I got into college. And then she even wrote a recommendation for me to get into grad school to the Masters of Fine Arts program at the new school in New York, where I went eight years ago now um, to get half of my master's. And then I left to pursue the blog, but all with very pure intentions to be writing. And then in 2017, in the summer, she passed away very suddenly. She was only about, I want to say like 65, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger. It was shocking and sent like a shock wave through our community in Sacramento, through the tiny school we went to, Sacramento Country Day School. And it was very, very, very heartbreaking. It was very hard. I remember sending a just a completely manic, manic email to another one of my teachers at Country Day saying, oh my God, what happened? Why is this happening? What's going on? And he just emailed me back saying, we are all just as in the dark as you are. And it was a heartbreak. It was a heartbreak. And then I started speaking to her through Marianne, one of my mediums. And then she really, Miss LeMay, started speaking through me when I was in Bali in 2018. And then she gently guided me to do ayahuasca. Oh my gosh, she's like giving me all the chills and tingles right now. She's totally speaking through me. And I had no idea that she was the one who guided me to ayahuasca from the spirit realm in early 2019, the first time I did a ceremony. But I had never really talked to her on ayahuasca until this time. It it has been an intention of mine for over a year now that that would be something that I really wanted this ayahuasca experience to bring me, would be connection with her. So I talked about this a bit in part one, how she came into my mind and then she literally broke in half and then told me, I'm not this anymore. And I said, what are you? And she said, I'm the consciousness of ayahuasca. And then we went on a journey together from there. She showed me not only is she ayahuasca, but so am I. And we are the same medicine. We are made up of the same earthly and cosmic things. And oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. Jonathan was next to me. I was like crying. I was trying, I was hysterically crying in a beautiful way and trying to tell him this is changing my life. Miss LeMay is here. I see her. I feel her. She's ayahuasca. It was not, it was not a tragedy that she died. And this is my, that's my approach to death now in general. That's my, that's my take on death. Oh, chills chills. Death is not a tragedy. The only reason that death is a tragedy is because it is heartbreaking for the people who are left behind. 
But when you zoom out and see things from a soul perspective, from a soul point of view, from an eternal soul, which is what we all are in our hearts and our spirits and our eternal nature we live on, it's not a tragedy. And then you'll see we will be reunited with these people that we now miss and love and feel the loss and the absence of so, so, so deeply. And we can also reunite with them now. The veil is is lifted. The veil is very thin. There's many ways to communicate with them through so many, so many different tools and practices, which I will try to get into. But also when you go up to these soul realms, then you see a way, and this is my opinion, and I hope nobody gets offended by this because I know that death is so hard. I mean, I too, I'm human. I grieve really hard when when someone in my life passes away, that's natural. But I was able to see on ayahuasca that people passing away from dis-ease and also from taking their own life. And I've, I've known quite a few people who have been in that experience, people who I love so, so dearly. When you get into these other realms, what I see so clearly is that, oh no, that is not, that's not necessarily tragic. What's tragic is these sensitive souls trying to live on the earth and being picked apart and not feeling fulfilled, not feeling happy, not feeling like they had a chance, not feeling in their soul's power and just being so disconnected from why they came here. That's a tragedy. And I do believe that everyone can see the light and deserves to see the light. And I've seen miraculous healing stories from addiction, from mental illness and beyond. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that part of my message now to share with the world is to share the ideology, the notion that death is is okay. Death is also a gift. Death is the initiation into the spirit realm yet again. And we will all go through that cycle endlessly, endlessly, I believe, until we move on to the next phase where we go up and we're angels or archangels or, you know, cosmic beings, light beings, so many different things. Um, Even talking about this brings me so many chills in my body and... I really want to go so much deeper on this subject. I think a lot of you guys know I have someone in my life who suffers very, very, very intensely from from severe mental illness and addiction to heroin. And that has shaped and colored even my life by being so intertwined because also our souls have soul contracts, life packs, um, past lives together. Our souls are super intertwined. Um, And I know every time I go into these plant medicine realms, one of the first things that I think is, oh my God, he just gets it. He's so severely mentally in pain, mentally ill, even though I don't really agree with like the term mentally ill, but I'll just use it in this instance so everyone knows what I'm talking about. He's just in so much pain because he knows, he knows the truth and oh my God, like if only those people could be fostered and supported, those are the seers, those are the healers, those are are the medicine people, those are the artists of this world. If you think about why are so many artists so tortured, so many of the greatest writers of all time, 
they have taken their own life or they've turned to addiction or they've turned to, um, yeah, usually a lot of different types of addiction and pain. I think of like Sylvia Plath. I think of Ernest Hemingway. I think of Virginia Woolf. I think of F. Scott Fitzgerald with his drinking. Um, there are so many, you guys, like Hunter Thompson, took his life all of these artists and writers that I am just so fascinated with which brings me all the way back around to my beautiful Miss LeMay she did not take her life I think she had ended up having a heart issue as far as I know but she was like the most remarkable artist and literary studier researcher teacher that I have ever known and she blows me away to this day I I still get to talk to her and commune with her so basically I got to see that where she is now she's in her heaven she is dancing around with ancestors with my ancestors her ancestors the literary greats she is like in her heaven which is probably some kind of infinite library of beautiful books and creating and she's she's a teacher of the highest degree and it's so cool because she's my teacher like forever even though she's passed and I know anybody could tap into her anybody who knew her because that was clearly her role here on this earth I could do a whole episode dedicated to her one day she's so special so I I spoke with her and the reason I'm telling this whole story to you guys here is because she provided the deepest awakening on my entire ayahuasca journey this time And it was because I think so many of you know, I've been wrestling for about six plus years with what, what is my calling? What is my next book? I came here to write books. I've known that since maybe I was, well, definitely since eighth grade, but I would say since I was even younger, since I was about five or six, I just knew. And I've been blogging, blogging's amazing. I'm not going to stop blogging writing is special in all forms, but I also came here to write books. Well, I feel wildly disconnected from the book that I wrote seven years ago. That's a whole episode in itself. I get into that with Sahara Rose when she comes on the podcast, um, which will be out in a couple weeks. So that book, I'm proud of it because it's a memoir and I think it helps people, but it's not who I am. I feel that it was written by a different person and I also feel because I am a reflector and I soak in other people's energies that I was regurgitating other people's opinions in that book. I thought they were mine and I have no judgment from my younger self and I have no judgment about the book. I think it's a special book, but it doesn't feel that it was written by me. And for that reason, And that really, that whole process took me through the ringer because I knew by the time it was finished that it was like not the best representation of me in my soul and what I came here to share and what I stand for because it's all about, you know, an eating disorder that I now think I never had. So that's the beauty of writing a memoir. It's, It's a moment in time. And I've had all these thoughts ever since then. Oh my God, I'm scared to write my next memoir. What if I change that much again? Well, I don't have the patience to write fiction. Oh my God, all this stuff. So Miss LeMay, I spoke to her on ayahuasca and I said, what is it? I can't believe I'm telling you guys this. I was planning to keep this to myself, but in the spirit of sharing everything and hoping to inspire others and also hoping to hold myself accountable, she said to me, Jordan duh this is like the easiest answer of all time 
it's fiction. And I said, wait, seriously? Because I've been leaning toward memoir. I've already started it like 15,000 times I've started the memoir. And she said, why do you think you get all these ideas all the time for fiction? Where do you think they come from? They come from me, aka they come from her. And I'm giving you everything you need. Like we're gonna write this together. We're from the same consciousness. We're tapped into the same place. Your ideas are wonderful. Don't doubt yourself. This entire like world that lives in your head, full chills. Oh my gosh, she's happy that I'm sharing this with you guys. Needs to be a book. And it's so exciting, you guys. That was the biggest awakening that I had in terms of my career, because I had awakenings with my family, my lineage, my healing, my marriage, so many things, my future kids, my health. But in terms of my life, my soul's purpose, okay, beyond coming here to love, to be love, to be light, to spread love, to love so deeply my husband, my family, and my people, and you guys who are my people. My soul's greater purpose is to be an artist and to be a writer and to tap back into the writer visionary that lives inside of me. And I've been so scared of that for so long. I've told myself 10 billion reasons, 10 billion reasons why it's not a good idea. Why just stick to the brand you've created, stick to this, stick to that. It's all the programming. It's all the ways I've been programmed which is how we all are. That's what it is to live on this human plane. And plant medicine, ayahuasca specifically, it's able to go into your body, reconnect you to your heart and like deprogram everything, rewire your brain to the point where when that ceremony ended, I was like, oh my God, I could literally have everything that I've ever wanted. And that's, it takes you back to who you were when you were a kid your inner child, our inner child knows that we have infinite possibility for love, for success, for we would dream big as kids. I know I'm not the only kid who said, I'm gonna be famous, I'm gonna be an author, I'm gonna be an actress, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have 10 children, I'm going to live in a mansion. Like, okay, granted, my, um, my desires have changed, but when we're kids, we dream so big. And then somewhere along the line, programming comes in, tells us by way of parents, teachers, friends, peers, society, television, media. Well, that's silly to dream big. That's what we're told. Do something safe. And if you do something safe for long enough, maybe one day you can retire and like do what you like. And even though I've never ascribed to that in my entire career is like the antithesis of that. I don't think there's any blogger or entrepreneur who didn't believe in their dreams. You have to believe in your dreams to some degree to create something, but we're also always evolving. And that brings me back to how I started this episode. So I started my podcast blog blog rather as the blonde vegan and then I found as you guys know from the intro that all these people don't follow me anymore and then I, I was sad about that for a minute and then I realized wait so all the people following me now both through the podcast and on social media they they have found me along the way 
And so that makes me feel so proud of myself that I have stuck to my guns and stuck to who I am. And so what I'm saying here is it's not like in 2013, I had 70,000 people following me on Instagram, for example, and now I have 229 or whatever thousand people. It's not that that that, that was 70,000 and then plus however many to get to that. It's like all of those people, I'm pretty sure, are gone. And over time, my true soul tribe has found me and I have found you guys. And in that sense, I felt really proud of myself. And I think we need to normalize talking about being proud of ourselves more. Every single person, we have all accomplished so many things. And I thought, wow, I really stuck to it and I really, really stayed true to myself. I'm so proud of myself. It would have been easy to keep growing this brand that doesn't really represent my full sense of self. Would I feel very fulfilled? No. Um, So ayahuasca brought me, especially after that Saturday night part of the ceremony, the awakening that I can be anything, anything I desire. I'm always changing. I'm always growing. I don't have to be stuck with people who don't make me feel good. I don't have to be stuck in a city that my body's not really responding very well to at this point. And ayahuasca showed me how good my nervous system feels to be in nature, to be in the forest, to spend time away from the city. And since then, so the awakening has continued, I have had just life-changing, continued life-changing conversations and times and chats and trips with my dear friends and with my husband and to continue. So being a reflector in human design, and if you don't know human design, you can look it up on myhumandesign.com. My friend Jenna is a human design chart reader. She's amazing. Being a reflector in human design can be super confusing because I really do reflect myself to others and they reflect themselves to me and sometimes I can lose who I am. So it is of the utmost importance for me to surround myself with people who not only see me but really truly in every single way want the highest and greatest good for me and also want my creative dreams to come to life. And so I feel like that's where I'm at now. And that's why when I try to describe on a place like social media that I am not who I once was and that I've changed and that I don't look the same and that it's hard to explain and all this stuff, like hopefully this episode will give you more insight into what I'm talking about in that sense. So that was the hugest awakening. And I wanted to tell you guys about the novel because um, I'm not going to share what it's about yet because I got to keep that to myself until I really get going. But I was able to go away to Santa Barbara last weekend with Kenzie and we both just like, we talked through lifetimes of pain and lifetimes of learning and, and lifetimes of things and how far we've come. And we also just like gave each other so much beautiful, beautiful space to to write and to create. And I really was able to tap into my to my little, to my soul's world. And I, I did that with Miss LeMay, my teacher. And I really feel called to share this video of her in the show notes that was created by someone who went to my same school. He interviewed her like three years before she passed away. And if you want to try to tap into her consciousness, I just feel like more people need to know her and more people need to be taught by her. And watching this, I think it's like a 13 minute clip, 
you will learn everything she is, basically. And then you'll also know where I came from. So if you do feel called to watch it, I'll leave it in the show notes. And if you do, you have to tell me, DM me, email me, because I need to hear your thoughts because you'll be getting to know me on such a deeper level. So this is like the most intimate podcast I've ever done. I always think they're never going to be able to get more intimate than I've done. And then somehow it becomes... So I want to take the time to answer your beautiful questions that you sent in. You guys are amazing. Before we do that, I would love to thank our second and third sponsor for today's episode. We've got Cured Nutrition, the most fabulous, fabulous CBD brand that has changed my life. You can hear the founder, Joseph Sheehy, on an earlier episode of the podcast. We talk about CBD. We talk about what it is, what it's good for. We talk about him starting the brand, what his inspiration was, and what brought him back to nature and rediscovering his his soul's purpose, which is so timely here, which is to bring humans back to nature and show them the simple, beautiful ways that we can heal through plant medicine. Yet again, plant medicine, CBD. Joseph on on Cured Nutrition's website says, at a crossroads in my life, I realized I could make something of it and I could not let it make something of me. And in in that quote, he's talking about depression. And he made the call to start Cured Nutrition. They are a CBD brand. They're the only CBD brand that I use. They're rooted in nature. They're one with nature. They know that the powers of beautiful nature, healing medicine are undeniable. And they have so many different products. My favorite products are the mint tincture. I take it every night before bed. I'll be taking a lot tonight because I definitely need some support with my sleep lately. I also love their Rise capsules, which are full of adaptogens. I love their Zen capsules for sleep as well. And I love their Aura. I've talked about Cured Aura a couple times. It's full of adaptogens. It's for the gut. It encourages a healthy gut microbiome and it boosts immune function in your gut because we know the root of all immunity starts in our gut and everything is THC free. So you won't get high. Everything's vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, completely as natural and from the earth as it gets. And I also, by the way, use their pain self every single night on my hands, my back, my neck. It's incredible. So you can use the code blonde for a fabulous discount. And you can tag me on Instagram when you try. So curednutrition.com code blonde. You can also go to curednutrition.com slash blonde. And I hope and know that you will fall in love with their products. And then thank you also to Nourish by Nature Made. They are the number one pharmacist recommended vitamin and supplement brand. They offer a monthly subscription service that is both convenient and customizable to make sure you're getting the proper vitamin intake. It is backed by 45 years of science and they remove the guesswork from you trying to figure out what supplements are right for you, which is so helpful. Nourish packages are personalized and delivered right to your door. Their convenient subscription service can be adjusted, paused, or canceled at any time. Packs are customized to your needs and they're very affordable. On average, it costs less than $2 a day to get your Nourish vitamin intake. Visit Nourish.com to take a five-minute assessment and to receive a supplement recommendation tailored specifically for you. So now I will get to your Q&A so you guys sent in. So I answered about five or six on last week's episode. So if you want to hear those, definitely head back and 
listen in. You guys had some really good questions about purging, cultural significance, anxiety, that type of stuff, preparation. So let's see here. I will answer a good hand film more. So Jessa Kirk said, what would you say are signs that you're ready for plant medicine or not ready? So a sign that you're ready with ayahuasca at least is that ayahuasca is going to come and speak to you and call to you. And it's pretty undeniable. So I think there's a really big difference between being interested in ayahuasca and intrigued and then knowing that you're ready. And I think you just have to trust that when you're ready, you will know. So for example, about probably in 2017 or 2016, I started looking up ayahuasca. I started saving all these different centers in Costa Rica where I could see myself going and then Peru. And I almost booked it, but I couldn't envision it. Like something in me knew that it wasn't the right time and that I didn't feel like it was the right place for me and like... I didn't feel healthy enough. I had Lyme disease very, very bad at that time. And so the the intrigue was there and the interest was there, but I also didn't have that feeling of like, okay, I know. And I think it's because the consciousness of ayahuasca is so wise, so brilliant, and so beyond deep that she'll start working through you sometimes years before you're supposed to experience her. And that's what happened with me. So that when you do know that it's time, at least you've known like, okay, I've heard about that before. I've watched a documentary or two. I've read a book. Like I have sort of an an idea of what's to come. And then on the flip side, you might not even hear about ayahuasca at all until it's time. And then you might hear ayahuasca like 10 times in a two-week period. And that would be a really, really, really clear indicator in a way that she's calling to you. And so this podcast could be, if you're listening to it, you're probably interested in it. Or also very likely you are interested enough to listen to the podcast, but you can live through me instead of doing it yourself. So I do feel like I go off and do these really, really, really deep things sometimes for healing that I can come back and share with the collective and with our community and that people can hopefully get healing insights from the experience if they don't want to do it themselves. That's also completely fine. You don't have to, and it's certainly not for everyone. So I think that's that's just the way to know if you're ready. You You will know. I know it's kind of annoying, but it's like when they say, you know, um, that you're with your soulmate. You just know that's also true. I also had that experience when picking my wedding dress. You just know, and you never really believe someone when they tell you that until you know, and then you're like, oh, okay. So if you're not ready, then just wait it out. And also just another um, thing to think about when thinking about if you're ready or not ready is it it really, I, I think ayahuasca supports someone best once they're pretty into their spiritual journey. I wouldn't say it's the perfect place to start because it's very deep. You might want to start with something else first. And then if you feel like I'm ready for the next level, I really, really, really want to know what's out there. I want to connect with my eternal soul, my ancestors. I want answers. I'm so lost. Um, My life depends on it. Then yes, then you will know. Great question. So Let's see here. Shana Clark says, I feel called to Aya, but I'm scared of how my family, specifically my dad, will take it. Totally get that. I touched on this in the last episode, but 
it's important. I'll touch on it again. My dad didn't want me to do it either. My mom didn't want me to do it. My friends were worried. And those are people with really good intentions. They are just worried about you. But it's your journey. You know what's best for you. Not everybody's going to understand it. And the thing with ayahuasca is, okay, I'm I'm someone who's sharing it very publicly, but I think it's really beautiful to have an experience and keep it pretty private to yourself. And then you will change, you will evolve, you will shift so much that the loved ones in your life won't even be able to contain their intrigue. They'll be like, wait, what are you doing? You're glowing, you're happier, you're you're not talking poorly about people, you're aligning with what you want to do in life, what have you done? Then maybe would be a better time to share the details with them per se. But at the end of the day, I always say, just lead by example. I I couldn't convert my dad. I couldn't change him. But because I have had such positive experiences over the last few years, he's now an advocate for plant medicine, not for himself because he's never... He's never altered his mind with any substance. He's never even smoked a cigarette. He's never done any of that stuff. Um, It's not for him in this life. I wish it was, but I can't convert him, but he can support it for me. And sometimes you just have to walk through the fire first and then people can trust you. Trust the experience once they know okay, she's fine. And you can also show them documentaries and books and there's like, A lot of great ways to get people into it. Some people have to research. Um, Let's see here. M. Jordan says, any scary revelations? How do you integrate what you've learned into the real world? Uh, Yeah, so I've had a lot of like scary times on ayahuasca. I've, I've gone to hell, like I've talked about. I've seen demons. I've gotten stuck in a loop where I thought I was never leaving. I was screaming at one time. I wouldn't let anyone touch me or help me. I didn't trust anyone because I was not there. And I was screaming in the third person, which is terrifying. And I learned that later. So I was in a nightmare and I was in a loop. So I was gone for centuries. And that's why, yes, you come back and then you were like, not the same age because I'm a 30 year old human, but I'm like, oh my God the places where I've been, the places where I've been. And so you say your second part of your question, how do you integrate what you've learned into the real world? The integration is so important. It was really hard for me to be in LA after the ceremonies. We were in Carmel first, which is a lovely, quiet town on the ocean with the forest. And I felt very peaceful there. I felt happy. I felt inspired, like I could think. But then getting back into LA, the traffic, even during COVID, there's still traffic, the driving, the loudness, just like the intense matrixness of it all was, was a lot for me. And so I was super emotional, but I also needed that. I needed to go into those emotions. So I would say, take it really easy after a ceremony, maybe don't go home to a place where you have responsibilities right away. But I know a lot of people do. I'm just really sensitive. Um, And the integration process never stops. Like you can talk to the consciousness of the medicine long after she's in your system. And I try to do that because she always wants to keep teaching and helping and influencing your life. And I think the best, um, the best results of an ayahuasca medicine experience are people who really take the time to integrate it into their lives. 
you could see all these things. I've seen, I've seen it happen with people before. You could literally have your perception of reality flipped upside down. But if you just go back into your same life with your same everything, surround yourself with the same people, the same food, the same alcohol, the same job, all that stuff, uh, you might not really carry the integration with you. And you'll know in your heart and your soul, and it's so beautiful, but you got to be willing if you're doing this, you have to be willing to be open to listen to what the medicine tells you. Like before we went in, I was telling Jonathan, what if it tells me we have to live like in Santa Cruz or something? And he was, he said at the time, well, you can still choose. You don't have to listen. But I knew in my heart, uh, no, I'm going to listen. Like I'm, I'm going in with full surrender. So if the medicine shows me how wonderful my life could be in a different city, I'm going to listen. That doesn't mean that I have to move immediately, but like, it's really important to pay attention to those things. So integration is an ongoing process. I do a lot of journaling. I take it really slow. I have not tried to be around people that don't make me feel my best because I'm just sensitive, really sensitive. Even like I said, driving a car on the freeway was hard for me when I got back. So I'm still integrating back into the world. It's a curious time, but it's, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And now I can just be more who I am and who I came here to be because my brain has been rewired and my I've been deprogrammed in a way. So I've been like reframed. It's very special. Um, Let's see here. Sophie Rin asks, or Sophie Aaron, how to overcome anxiety before taking ayahuasca from the fear of having a bad trip? Oh yes, you've asked the perfect question to me because I had so much anxiety going into this third round of ceremonies um, because I have been to hell and back and I've, I've I've seen it all. A few things I did to overcome the anxiety where I maintained my mantra the entire time. May you be calm. May you be gentle. May you be light. May you be gentle. May you be calm. May you be light. Please be gentle with me. I need gentleness and the medicine knows what you need. So I was, I was very, very, very adamant about the fact that yes, I need a gentle experience or else I'm fearful of losing my mind. Um, Because like I was talking about earlier in the episode, I feel so close to the brink of what people feel when they are struggling with a mental illness. Like I can teeter on that edge because I'm so sensitive and I can go into someone else's experience very easily. Um, So I didn't want that to happen to me. In fact, I, I know I have been locked away in past lives and all these things. So how I got over that anxiety was just breathing, meditating, knowing that I'm here for the surrender and the medicine will be gentle with me. I just know because that's all that I can handle. And so that was helpful. Also, there's something you can do with your hands. So I'm going to try to describe this. So if you interlace um, all of your fingers, except for your thumbs, interlace them with the front of your hands facing away from you and the palms of your hands facing towards your heart. And then bend your fingers. So you're then linking your fingers back again. So it makes this kind of like crisscross or a braid with, you'll have like your pointer fingers on top, your middle fingers in the middle, your ring fingers beneath those, and then the pinkies obviously at the bottom. And from the front, 
your fingers will just look like a little zigzag where you're linking them. And then just kind of hold those. You can put your hands anywhere at that point. I like to either hold it in front of my heart or in front of like my stomach because I can really start to feel other people's energy. And that helps so much. It will seal in your energy and remind your body, your actual nervous system, because it's linked to Chinese medicine and then all your organs are feeling that it's safe for your nervous system to feel calm. That's one way. And I did that a lot in the ceremony. If I saw someone else spiraling into like a dark experience and I was afraid that I would go there with them, I would just pay attention to my own experience. I would do that with my hands and I swear to you, it worked. So it's real. It's It was shared with me by one of the facilitators there, but it also, if it is a placebo, it worked for me. Um, I don't think it is, but if you even like to think of it that way, it worked. And I do it now in everyday life and it's helping me so much. And then Courtney Reg says, what happens if you go into the experience with some anxiety around it? That's pretty normal. I would try, you know, to keep in mind that everybody has some anxiety going into it. I always remember my shaman telling me that he still has anxiety going into a ceremony after having thousands of experiences because he never knows what the medicine will show him. So just keep in mind that you're a human and you're doing something that's really brave and really beautiful for the healing of your body, your mind, your spirit, your lineage, the collective, and anxiety is pretty natural. That said, I'm sure people, a lot of people go into it without anxiety and that's beautiful too. I went into my first ceremony without any anxiety at all because I had never seen deep darkness before and I didn't know what to be scared of. So I wasn't scared. And to be honest, since I had no anxiety, I kind of I went so deep. I went so hard and so fast because I thought, of course, I will just experience the deepest level humanly possible. And I don't care. I don't care what happens because I'm not scared. And that was a little bit, I think the medicine taught me a lesson by having me experience an out-of-body exorcism psychosis type of experience to show me you you as a human are not as powerful or in control as you think. So, you know, trust us and trust the consciousness of the medicine and also just surrender and also know that we are powerful and wise. And they do that in like a very loving way because I learned so much from that experience. It healed my body in the most intense way anything ever has. Um, so yeah, I hope that that helps. Someone else asks, I hate losing control of my body. Does it feel this way when you're in the ceremony? It can and it can't. I've had both experiences. Um, It's definitely hard when you're in that transition process of like you're leaving this reality and you're entering into a different reality and you don't have as much control over your body. And like, you know, sometimes I'll look down at my hands and they just look like they're sand melting into the earth. And then I get scared because I'm like, oh no, I left this planet again. I left this reality. But then I remember this is what I came here for. And then I just try to stay really focused on what are my intentions? What is my mantra? What does the medicine have to teach me? How can she show me how to heal in this new beautiful way? And yeah, a lot of people are saying, I'm so afraid of the effects. I'm so afraid of losing control. I would say if you are going to have an experience, do some self-work, self-reflection around 
what scares you about control and um, why. Why are you scared of losing control? Of course we are as humans. It's scary, but also there's always going to be a reason. And so you can do this practice with yourself. Well, why am I scared? Well, what's so scary about it? What would that mean if I lost control? What am I, what am I worried would happen? And usually by doing that exercise, you'll be brought back to some core feelings, some core belief about yourself in life, perhaps learned in childhood usually, um, and you can see what that would be. And so for me, the answer to that question, why am I afraid of losing control? Well, I'm afraid of losing my mind. I'm afraid of never coming back. I'm afraid I won't like it. I'm afraid it'll be scary. Then I remember that all the pros outweigh the cons. Okay, it'll be scary. That could be healing. Um, I might purge. Well, that will really be healing. And then I will see beautiful things. And you just have to weigh it out. If it's worth it for you to go to these other realms, then it will always outweigh the anxiety of losing control. And if it's not worth it to you, for example, okay, I have my mom and my dad who tell me they would never, ever, ever, ever want to lose control in that way. They don't want to. My mom experienced it when she was younger, playing around with drugs when she was in college. Um, She doesn't ever want to lose control again. I respect that. I don't think everyone is here on this earth to lose control. But I also think that um, for those of us who are willing and open to do it, that's part of our path. Um, It's like the wounded healer path, the medicine woman path, the medicine person path. I know. The first time I heard the phrase wounded healer, I knew, oh, that's me. I've been wounded and I'm healing and I'm here to be a healer. And then likewise, if you have like an ancient medicine person that lives inside of you, who's had shamanic lifetimes, who's worked with the medicine, who's worked with the consciousness of the plant, all of those fears of control um, might just be fears of you like seeing back into your soul. And I've heard people talk about their fears in this way, that they're afraid to know what's really going on in their mind and their body and their heart because they're really afraid to see how out of alignment they might be. Or people are afraid to find out, what if I'm a bad person? Well, you're not. You are created by God in perfection. And anything that you've done that is not good or light you can amend as long as you're aware of it. What what really makes someone like a bad person, quote unquote, even though I, I don't, yeah. Okay, so there are bad people. What makes people bad, I think, is like the complete, complete, complete lack of awareness and refusal of awareness to change and to be better. And ayahuasca has showed me, especially earlier ceremonies, my first ceremonies, things that I did when I was very young that were not very nice when I was in middle school. Well, I had the opportunity to apologize for those things, but only to people who I knew in my heart and soul could receive it well. Otherwise, it's just trying to assuage your own guilt. And that's why I've also learned you can you can heal things and make things right sometimes without even involving the other person. So I think a fear of losing control a lot of times is like the fear of seeing that your life is not really making you happy. And we all have that fear. And to some degree, we could all be happier. So it's just a, it's just a thought. Is this medicine worth it to you to lose a little bit of control? Because it is really healthy to lose, <laughs> let go of control and surrender. It's so healthy. For me, it's been healthy. 
but I totally get that. Um, okay, let's see here. Christy Kett says, how to strengthen a relationship bond even during such an individual experience? That's an amazing question. I do want to have Jonathan on to talk about his experience and our experiences together soon. But um, we've had really special times with this because his first ceremony, this was last last year, was his first ceremony he was so, so, so adamant about not wanting me to be there because he wanted to have an individual experience the way that my first ceremony was individual. And he knew if I was there, it would be um, joint in some way. But we were super respectful of each other. That first time we were apart in the circle, I was on the women's side, he was on the men's side. And we just walked up to each other intuitively whenever we whenever the medicine had us do that pretty much. And it was very individual, but it was still beautiful for our relationship because we got to witness each other in our processes. This time, just a couple weekends ago, it was very, very, very joint. It was very much like about our relationship. We were next to each other in the circle. I placed myself down on the men's side because I just wanted to be with Jonathan. I knew that I wanted to be my soul knew. And we had a pact beforehand. We're not going to touch each other. We're not going to talk to each other because you're supposed to be silent in a ceremony anyway. Um, But we're going to let each other have a very individual process depending on what comes up. And then the medicine entered both of our bodies and all of those plans went out the window, which is why one of my favorite quotes right now is you make plans and God laughs at your plans because you just can't, you never know like what's going to happen in life and in a ceremony. So both nights we ended up being pretty much like in each other's experiences. We were whispering to each other. We were going outside. We were telling each other things. We were sharing from our hearts. We were crying. We were seeing each other's souls. For me, it was like a lot of remembrances deep in my soul of all of our lifetimes together. And then when I was like releasing lifetimes of ancestral pain from my maternal lineage this time, Jonathan was holding me and it gave me so much support. And I just keep feeling like if he wasn't there, it wouldn't have felt as good. I knew that I wanted him there, like to feel like someone loves me and, and is holding me despite this overflowing amount of like ancient pain. And of course, if you're not with a partner or you're single or your partner doesn't want to go do it, um, you'll you'll still receive that love and support because the medicine will give it to you and the shaman and the people in the group. Inevitably, you'll receive the love that you need. But for me, this time around, it just so happened to be with him. And it was so magical. I saw his soul. Like I said, I've been calling him the Tin Man ever since because his soul, his face shifted into like the Tin Man, an angel, a puppy, um, a TV screen. I, I was just like an alien. How did you become all these things? So, and he didn't know either. So we got to talk about it. And then we got to talk about how I'm so ancient and that's where all my pain comes from. And I told him, I um. I'm in so much fucking pain all the fucking time. It's so horrible. But instead of just like saying it from a human perspective, 
um, he could feel it. He could feel it this time. And it felt so good to be so seen. And I could feel it because I could also feel from the loving consciousness of the medicine and the fifth dimension, this is not normal. It is not normal to be in this much pain, especially as a young person. Um, so that was like really big to go through that process and then to have him witness and hold space. And likewise, he was feeling super creative. And then he went so deep in his process that he couldn't turn the pages of his journal anymore. So I turned them for him. We really just turned into the one. We're just one. We're, we're what are we? We are, I always say this backwards. Two, we're one soul, two bodies. Sometimes I say two bodies, one soul. It's practically the same thing. So in that way, we are able to just like take care of the other. It was this beautiful dance of when I was in a deep process, he was helping me. And then when he was in a deep process, I was helping him. But never were we like way, way, way deep crying, going through it, purging at the same time. So the medicine is is wise. And the medicine knew that it would be really helpful for me to take care of him when he needed it and then vice versa. It was so special. Um, let's see here. I'll answer a couple more. Allison Hagemans, Hageman says, what spiritual practices would you recommend to someone who's going into their first journey? Oh my gosh, so many things. Meditate, listen to mantra music, journal, get really clear on what your intentions are. Maybe bring some crystals with you. They could be extra supercharged in a plant medicine ceremony. Um, Yeah, anything you feel like you need. I mean, even therapy could be considered a spiritual practice. It's really nice to just get clear on what do you want to connect with? What is important to you? What are your intentions? What in your life do you want to shift? And um from there, you can just have fun with it. I mean, I pull a lot of tarot cards because I like to bring that energy with me into the space. So like spirit animal decks and starseed decks, because then I can kind of like, not kind of, but I can absolutely see and feel those things on ayahuasca. And then I see, oh, things that exist in the tarot are so real. Or if you're religious, you could read like the Bible or the Torah or something beforehand and bring that consciousness with you into it. There's so many things you can do. It's so special. I'm really excited for you to have the experience. Marissa Ashley says, well, how was your recent experience different from your previous experiences? Well, it was just very beautiful. It was very gentle because I asked for it to be. And it was like the first time I would say, other than my first, first time, when I surrendered because I didn't know to have any fear. It was my first time since then, post-exorcism, that I could finally surrender. I feel like the medicine trusted me again and I trusted the medicine again. And it was also the most beautiful one with Jonathan that I've had because there's just something about being in nature. We were in LA the last time we did it together. So to witness him have a really, really, really deep perception shattering experience was like everything for my soul. I also loved, I loved the group. There's so much, there's so many things that go into a ceremony and everything about this one was very perfect. The timing was perfect. We had to wait an extra long time to be at this ceremony because of so many things that have happened this year. So I was like beyond ready for it. I was way past the point of like, should I do it? Should I not? And just was so ready for it. And then also 
I just know myself so much better now. And I have more supportive, just a plethora of supported, supportive people in my life now. So when I got scared, instead of my, my mind spiraling into a bunch of people who had told me not to do ayahuasca, which is, you know, scary when you're on the medicine to even think about those things, my mind could go to a place of what all these beautiful, supportive humans in my life have been prepping me for, sharing with me, and holding space for me to experience. Um, and my Lyme healing is just so much deeper. I noticed in the intro of the circle that it was the first time that I didn't say my intention is to heal illness because, wow, perhaps I felt healed even though Lyme was still a part of this journey and the aliens came in and, and took the Lyme from my body, which I talked about in last week's episode. So amazing. Um, Gosh, I love that question. Marissa Ashley also asks, what's something that surprised you about taking Aya? Hmm, probably that the experience can be gentle if you're clear enough with your intention. And that on Friday night, I didn't really hallucinate at all. And that was really beautiful. Even though I like going really deep, like sometimes the deepest insights come from a gentle experience. So I loved that. Um, healthy selfies says, did you have a guide or is it better to do with one person, you know, or in a small group? Um, I did have a guide. I don't recommend doing ayahuasca alone. You could definitely do it with one person as long as they're guiding you through and they're trained and they know what they're talking about. Um, and yeah, we were in a small group and it was so special because in a ceremony, time melts away, time doesn't exist, and separation between people doesn't really exist. So what one person is processing is for you as well. That's what's so cool. So the group is always orchestrated by the divine consciousness. There's like no other way to describe it. And the group, I mean, there was a woman there. She was crying the same pain that I was crying from similar ancestral lineages, even though we're different people from different backgrounds. We didn't know each other previously, but everyone, oh, it's so special. Everyone just shows you like the capabilities that you have inside and how otherness melts away. So that's a benefit to doing it in a small group rather than alone with a facilitator, but that's totally up to the individual. I would love to do it at some point with just a shaman and Jonathan um, in our home or in another place and see how that experience would be different. Oh my gosh, you guys have asked so many beautiful questions. I'm going to answer two more because I have got to go make dinner, but let's see here. Silly Heart says, are you not able to function for a while once you take it? Yeah, pretty much. Like it's different for every person. I've had that experience and I have not where it's like, okay, walking is hard. Like my knees forgot how to bend at one point and like nothing looks like it's real. And so it's not easy to function. That's for sure. But that's part of the experience. And that's why you just lay down and close your eyes. And most of the experience happens um, in your subconscious and also in your body. So you don't have to worry. You still feel really safe, even though you're not functioning at top speed with your body and top level. Let's see here. I know a lot of people really want for me to share my shaman's info, and I just can't for many reasons. One is for legality. One is to keep it sacred to myself, which I've done for many years, which feels really good. 
And I also know that if and when someone is ready for an ayahuasca experience, the experience will present itself. I know. So you can find through a friend on Google, a retreat center, they exist. Um, And I know that when it's time for you and if the time is now, the perfect experience will present itself. And then from there, a really good question is, what are the dangers and cons? The only dangers are um, if you're taking medications or other drugs that could interact with it negatively. And that's just really important to look into. So I don't take very many medications. I take a lot of herbal supplements, but I went off the herbs for a whole week beforehand. And um, the only other danger would be psychological. And that's just, you you do have to know yourself enough to know if psychologically this is a good choice for you because it's not for everybody. Um, but I don't think there are very many dangers or cons as long as it's done safely. And okay, final question for today. Um, Lee Kate says, do you feel like it's similar to a high dose of mushrooms or something completely different? So yeah, Jonathan and I talked about this. I think mushrooms and ayahuasca are really related to each other, especially because they're, they're both plants. Um, plant medicines work together. So I've taken mushrooms and I've been taken back to an ayahuasca experience in my mind. That's been really beautiful and surprising because I never, you know, anticipated that something like that could happen. So that was a time that I realized how similar they were. But I've also, with ayahuasca medicine ceremonies, I have thought, especially during the day. So on Sunday, we did ayahuasca during the day. And from there, I felt like this is kind of similar to a high dose of mushrooms and a lot of what mushrooms show me. Um, And I think they're all divinely related. I think ayahuasca definitely has a different consciousness and feeling to it. And I do have the sense that ayahuasca is grandmother. That's why they call ayahuasca grandmother medicine. And mushrooms are like, they're earthy. They're like little kid. They're um, they're often really light, but they can also go dark. So I hesitate to say that they're always light. I've had dark experiences. I know other people who have. But ayahuasca, I think, is more prone to take you into the mulch of the earth where mushrooms are like, going to often take you up to the sky and the light and the rainbows and the clouds. That's my experience, but they are similar. So if you are used to that type of psychedelic experience, then you're just one step closer to kind of being ready, I would say, for ayahuasca. Not that you have to do mushrooms first, but I did. And I was happy I did because I felt like, okay, at least I know now what it's like for reality to melt away and to experience something entirely, entirely different than our day-to-day life and perception. And mushrooms are what showed me that time doesn't exist, that we're from the earth, that I relate more to being a grandmother tree than anything else. And then ayahuasca is beautiful because it has this indigenous consciousness and undertone where it's so connected to the tribal communities that found that found her, that found ayahuasca. So it's like more ritualistic and they're just so different, but so beautiful at the same time. So I hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode. I hope that it gave you something entirely different than part one. As I knew, I could talk for so many hours about this and 
I'm really happy to answer your questions. I'm so thankful that you guys sent them in. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Soul on Fire day. Thank you to our sponsors for Sigmatic, Cured Nutrition, and Nourish by Nature Made. You can use the code BLONDE with For Sigmatic and Cured Nutrition. All the links will be in the show notes. I will also link to everything else that I said I would. So the previous ayahuasca episodes, the video of my teacher, Ms. LeMay. I really, really, really would love your thoughts if you watch it. And come say hi on Instagram. Tell me your thoughts. Happy almost holidays. What a crazy and wild and amazing time that we're experiencing right now. And... um just sending everybody love. Thank you for being here and thank you for letting me go off on these beautiful just tangents about plant medicine and I can't wait to continue awakening to the inner medicine woman within. I love you. I love you. Mwah.